right when we were all getting used to a 12-team playoff. A 14-team playoff, really? Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, what's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today, and you'll get $150 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. All right, let's jump into it as... Man, we just talked about the 5 plus 7 model being approved in the college football playoff future. And we told you Wednesday was going to be a big day for the future of the playoff because discussions were being had about the future of the playoff. And just months before we start uh, the first season of a 12-team playoff, the idea of a 14-team college football playoff starting in 2026 was discussed in the college football playoff meetings in Dallas on Wednesday. So... Uh, College Football Executive Director Bill Hancock acknowledged the idea was discussed but declined to give specifics, said there's, quote, still work to be done. And look, the playoff officials are pushing to finalize this deal. Um, They're they're trying to finish the TV contract for the next eight years, and three big issues remain unresolved. You've got access, you've got revenue distribution, and you've got governance. And Bill Hancock said the issues basically need to be resolved within the next month. You know, he kind of put a timeline on this, said, hey, we got about a month to get all this stuff figured out, the future of the college football playoff. But the management committee met Wednesday to discuss potentially expanding the field after the current contract runs out following the 2025 season. So we're going to have 12-team playoff this year and next year, and then we could expand from 12 to 14, according to ESPN. Uh, The most dominant discussion on Wednesday was around a 14-team playoff. And the college football playoff leaders left Wednesday's meeting feeling there was momentum in that direction. The bump from from 12 to 14, as opposed to, say, 16, uh, would mostly address the issue of access, getting more teams into the field. But the problem of finances still remains. Officials uh, will still need to discuss how a 14-team playoff would split up, you know, would they have automatic qualifiers? I know the Big Ten, the SEC, have been pushing for, you know, automatic bids and, you know, as many as four automatic bids from both conferences. Those were early discussions had. But, of course, everything boils down to the finances. The Big Ten the SEC have made it clear the next contract needs to be more financially favorable than the current one, where basically 80% of the money is split evenly among the Power Five leagues. We talked about it. The SEC has put in... You know, 40% of the college football playoff field since its inception has been SEC teams. Yet, I think they've only got like 17% of the revenue. Uh, now there's four power conferences instead of five in the Big Ten SEC. Well, they combined 34 teams next season. So, uh, Bill Hancock went on to say there was more ground-level detailed conversation than they've been able to have in the past on Wednesday. So, that was good. And there's been a push especially from the Big Ten, like we said, for that increased increase in automatic 
qualifiers. Uh, Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti, he's the one who's made it clear he values the regular season and believes increasing automatic qualifier spots could assure that some of those late-season games have even higher stakes. Like, I, I get bowl games kind of, you know, there's no stakes in those and players opt out, but have we seen an issue with, like, teams late in the year, players opting out? We haven't really seen that. So I don't know where they're coming from, from, you know, raising the stake, higher stakes in late-season games. The only way I could think is, like, okay, for instance, LSU and Oklahoma play late in the year this year. Uh, if both teams are 10-2, and two, yeah, I guess technically that becomes an elimination game. Like, the loser gets knocked out. The winner is still very much alive to make the playoffs. So I guess from that perspective, but uh, to me – there's an obvious reason why the Big Ten is pushing for more guaranteed automatic bids. The SEC is moving to 16 teams this coming year with Texas and Oklahoma coming in. The Big Ten is moving up to 18. So even with a 12-team playoff, of the 18 Big Ten teams, what, likely only two or three are going to get in? Maybe four if all the cards fall their way. Uh, but Tony Petiti said, uh, told ESPN last week, he said, we want fans to think that you – Know a game in the second week of November, even if you've already lost two or three games, still has a lot of value. That's the goal. So a 14-team playoff would likely mean the highest-ranked conference champions end up with a bye, which would incentivize those league title games. Again, I, I, I'd i be on board with just eliminating the conference championships altogether. Why are we even playing them? You know, especially with the SEC. We've done away with the SEC East. We've done away with the SEC West. We're just going to have the two highest teams go, and it's almost like that game's an extra burden knowing – you know, hey, we're in the playoff. We got a lot of games left to play, but, uh, you know, like I guess winning the conference championship guarantees you the automatic buy, but it just feels like you're putting more of a burden on yourself. I'd be fine if eventually we got to a point where we just eliminated all conference championship games because we've made it clear. Only thing that matters is the playoff, right? Uh, but I would guess instead of four buys, you would do six teams with a first-round buy, right? If, if you went from 14, uh, from 12 to 14, uh, instead of four buys, you just do the, the six highest-ranked um, conference champs all get a buy. But uh, going into this meeting on Wednesday, all parties were expected to, quote, put their cards on the table, according to Dennis Dodd and the Big Ten and the SEC. Like we said, a lot of eyes on them with their uh, – joint advisory board that they've formed. And uh, Jim Phillips, ACC commissioner, said, all that stuff concerning automatic qualifiers is premature. At the end of the day, it's about the right model. We're continuing to listen to each other and try to practically put something together that's good for college football. Uh, and though the committee members seem to be echoing that idea of no decisions have been made yet, there is, like we said, an urgency. Bill Hancock wants this thing done within the month. Uh, Ross Dellinger, Yahoo Sports, reported that Washington State President Kirk Schultz is among those who are, quote, worried about potential modifications to the current format. He said, I worry about any league getting a certain number of automatic bids beyond their champion. Um, this is from the guy whose conference just died, by the way, and his school was left without a conference. So take that with a grain of salt. But the bottom line is this. If we're going to go to 14 teams, I'd be on board with it only if it met more first-round buys. What I think we need to avoid with all this is more games. Uh, in the current format of the 12-team playoff, and for those watching on YouTube, we're looking at a bracket that Pro Football Focus kind of put together for last year of what a 12-team college football playoff would have looked like last year. Um, but in the current format of the 12-team playoff, if you're seeded anywhere from 5th to 12th, you're going to have to win three games to even get to a championship. For instance, last year, 
let's take Ole Miss as an example. They would have been the 11 seed, right? They were 10 and two. They lost to Bama, Georgia, but they would have been in the playoff as the fourth SEC team. They would have been the 11 seed in the first round. They would have had to play at six seed Georgia, a rematch in Athens. Granted, it would have been hella tough because Georgia was still really good. Uh, but let's just say Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss were lucky enough to get back at them and win that game. They next would have likely played either one seed Michigan or two seed Washington in in a neutral field bowl game. Then if they were lucky enough to win that, they would have had to play the winner from the other side of the bracket. So let's just say let's just say they beat Washington in the second round. Then they would have to play like Texas or Michigan in the next round. And then if they were lucky to win that one, they would finally have advanced to the national championship to take on whoever was left standing. That's a lot more games to win a championship. And in this scenario, Ole Miss would not have played for the SEC championship, right? That was Alabama and Georgia. But there are scenarios when we play this out. Let's say we have two one-loss SEC teams in the SEC title game. The team that loses would then fall to a 5th through 12th seed, right? Because they're not a conference champion. That's who gets the automatic buy. So then you would have to go on to, pull, to win three games just to get to the national championship. That's your reward for getting to the conference championship game and losing. So it's just, it's a lot of extra games. And it, it's crazy when we think back to just like 20 years ago, Oklahoma went 12-0 and in the regular season, went to the Big 12, 12 title game, lost to Kansas State, but still automatically just got, hey, you're in the national championship, BCS error. They went to the national championship, lost to LSU, but still, like, like they didn't even really earn it. Like, like these days, like, you're definitely going to have to earn it. You're definitely going to have to play your ass off and win a lot of games. Uh, but the bottom line to me is it's going to be much more difficult to win a national championship going forward. The first round, think of it almost like a sweet 16, except you're giving four teams a bye, so it's 12, maybe 14, um, but you get a first round bye. So then the next round after that is basically the elite eight, right? The four teams that were on bye are going to play the four teams that won the first round. Then we'll go from an elite eight to a final four and then to a national championship game. So the likelihood moving forward is that, you know, we're going to have years where there are no SEC teams, you know, wind up in the final four there. That's going to happen. Or we could have years where maybe three of the final four are all from the SEC which we'd love to watch. I mean, I think it'd be awesome, and it would piss off a lot of conference, uh, you know, commissioners that are all, uh, you know, heading up other conferences. But anyway, it, it's just I, – I guess I just hadn't really thought it out and say, you know, kind of putting today, today's show together. I kind of started thinking out, like, man, this is it's going to be a lot more like college basketball where we have just random teams break through and win championships some years. A Virginia, a Villanova, you know – it's it's hard for one conference to dominate in uh, college, in the college basketball tournament. I think it's going to be very hard for the um, SEC to continue their dominant run of the last 20 years of either playing for or winning the national championship almost every year. You know, this past year we were shocked when, you know, it's Washington versus Michigan. We're like, ah, oh, weird. First time in forever. There's no SEC team in there. I think the likelihood of there being national championship games in the coming years where there is no SEC team is going to increase because the opportunity for more for those SEC teams to lose earlier is going to happen throughout uh, the college football playoff. So uh, anyway, say all that to say, 14-team playoff possible down the road as early as 2026. And again, there's some people pushing for 16 or even 18. I mean, 
who's to say where we'll be here in the next couple of years of college football? But I do know, like I said, the road getting a lot tougher. All right, thanks again for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, we are going to uh, hit on ESPN. Got a new piece up, the biggest spring questions for the top teams across college football. We'll tell you what they say about some of the SEC teams. That is coming your way here in just a sec right here on Locked on SEC. First, this episode presented to you by friends over at eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience is what brings home the winning trophy, and it's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle, level it up to peak performance uh, from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, whatever it is you need for your vehicle, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors got you covered. They got over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you're always going to find exactly what you're looking for. And with that eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's going to be easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Uh, exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. That's ebaymotors.com. All right, we're along here, Locked On SEC. Thank you guys for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers. Come on back tomorrow and check us out on the show. Got uh, plenty of action to go into this weekend. Another big SEC baseball and softball weekend. Uh, SEC hoops winding down. Some big, big games coming up here these last couple weeks. Who will win the conference? So going to be a fun weekend. Action-packed with a lot of stuff going on. But one to touch on this, ESPN put out a new piece breaking down the biggest spring questions facing every top 25 program entering 2024. And wanted to touch on, obviously, there's a lot of SEC teams in their top 25. So we'll hit you with uh, the biggest spring questions. And we'll start with number one preseason is the Georgia Bulldogs. And the question they have for Georgia is, will the Bulldogs be able to replace they're departing defensive stars. Past defense was great last season, ranked sixth in the FBS, but the Bulldogs have to reload in the secondary. They lose Javon Bullard, Tyke Smith, uh, lockdown corner Kamari Lassiter. Kirby Smart has loaded up on DBs through recruiting, and uh, cornerbacks Daniel Harris and Julian Humphrey, they nearly left via the transfer portal, but the coaches convinced them to stick around. Uh, you'll have J- junior Dalen Everett as well competing for a spot. All-American Malachi Starks will be back at free safety, obviously. Uh, Mr. Aguero seems to be in line for the nickelback spot. You got uh, Dan Jackson, who's a senior, has the most experience at strong safety. Junior LaCorey Thomas and, of course, the incoming five-star freshman K.J. Bolden. And, of course, I think Ellis Robinson is going to play from day one. But Mark Schleybaugh says that's the biggest question for Georgia. Will the Bulldogs be able to replace their Defensive stars haven't really had a problem doing that the last couple of years, so I think Georgia will be fine from that aspect. Next up, Texas. They got them at number four. Uh, Dave Wilson asks, what will the passing game look like? This time a year ago, Sark said Quinn Ewers was comfortable in the deep passing game. It's going to be a point of emphasis, and Ewers had a great year. But he loses Xavier Worthy. He loses A.D. Mitchell, uh, Jordan Whittington. Tight end JT Sanders, all off to the NFL. So they bring in some new pieces. They bring in Isaiah Bond from Alabama. They bring in Amari Nyblack from Alabama. They bring in Silas Bolden, who had a great year at Oregon State. Matthew Golden from Houston, uh, as well as Ryan Wingo 
who was a top 30 recruit and big-time five-star wide receiver. So a lot of new pieces. Developing that chemistry with Quinn Ewers early in camp is going to be big for Texas. I think it'll be fine, but there is a case to be made that maybe Texas's passing game not as sharp this year as they were a year ago. Remember when they went into Tuscaloosa week two last year and looked so comfortable flinging it around the yard? Receivers getting loose. All those guys are gone. All new pieces there for Texas. See what it looks like. All right, next up, number six in in this uh, ranking that they have. They've got the Ole Miss Rebels and Lane Kiffin. Question for him, with all the team's transfer additions, will they be able to transition easily? Like I said, Lane Kiffin in that transfer portal. It's never easy to incorporate new players into a locker room every year and maintain that chemistry. We've seen it before. LSU did it two years ago. They were able to make it work. We saw Auburn bring a ton of guys in through the portal last year, and it didn't work right away. It took some time for them to gel and and get that chemistry going. So big question for Ole Miss as the massive expectations rise in Oxford. Uh, Spring will be the first time the Rebels get everybody on the field together to see where it all meshes. So Chris Lowe says that's going to be the biggest question for Ole Miss. Next up at number seven in their rankings, it's the Missouri Tigers. And the question for them, will the Tigers be able to have another strong defensive season? Much was made last year of Mizzou's offensive production as they went on to win 11 wins, but the real story was their defense. Took it to another level. And now they lose Blake Baker at D.C. They bring in a new D.C. and Corey Batoon. And the Tigers lose 10 players on defense who either started or contributed significantly last year. You had... Darius Robinson, Tyron Hopper, Chris Abrams Drain, a lot of pieces they're going to have to replace. So, big question for Mizzou. You know, the offense will be good to Brady Cook, find a new running back to replace Cody Schrader, but they need that defense to get back to what they did a year ago. All right, coming in number nine on this list, how about a fall for the Alabama Crimson Tide? They come in in ESPN's way too early top 25 at number nine. And big expectations for Kalen DeBoer. Chris Lowe, the question he asks is, can Kalen DeBoer deal with the pressure of his new job? Chris Lowe said the buy-in process has already started for DeBoer, who takes over the challenge of replacing Nick Saban. Spring practice poses the first chance to get the holdovers and some of the newcomers together on the same field. DeBoer has won everywhere he's been, but every move he makes and everything he says will be intensely scrutinized by his team and by fans. So can he deal with that pressure? Can he get Jalen Milrow to take that next step in his development? Alabama could certainly add more talent to their roster post-spring practice when that transfer window opens later on. But uh, how does Kalen DeBoer handle the pressure? It's one thing to take Washington to the playoff. They didn't really expect it. They're like, wow, coach, great. You do that Alabama, they're going, yeah, great. Win it all. That's the expectation. Uh, coming to number 12, they've got LSU. The question Schleyball asks, will LSU be able to shore up their pass defense? Uh, the school that was formerly known as DBU really struggled to stop the passing game last year, ranked 118th in the FBS. They fired Matt House, safeties coach Kerry Cooks, DB's coach Robert Steeples, and they bring in Blake Baker. They bring back Corey Raymond. Uh, they're going to try to get this defense back on par. Two Ohio State transfers are in the mix there. J.K. Johnson, who missed all last year with an injury. Jair Brown comes in. They have freshman Juwan Johnson. Uh, Major Burns is back in one of the safety spots. Texas A&M transfer Jordan Gilbert. Looks like he'll shore up that other safety spot. But at secondary, it's got to be better for LSU this year, certainly. 
Coming in number 14 in the rankings, they got the Oklahoma Sooners. Big question for them is how ready is Jackson Arnold, the number one quarterback in the ESPN rankings a year ago, number three overall prospect. He was thrust into the starting role in the Alamo Bowl when Dylan Gabriel uh, transferred out to Oregon. The good was Arnold threw for 339 yards and two touchdowns. The bad, he threw three interceptions. So he'll have all of spring to work under his new coordinators, Seth Luttrell and Joe John Finley. But the big question for Oklahoma this year is, how ready is Jackson Arnold? And that will make a difference if Oklahoma is a 6-6 six and six type team or a 10-2 type team. Next up, number 16, Tennessee. Chris Lowe asks, will Tennessee's new defensive backfield excel? NCAA poking around Tennessee's program, and they recruited the five-star quarterback, Nico Ayamaliava. But they have retooled that defensive backfield there at Tennessee. Starters from a year ago are all gone. It's an exodus in the transfer portal. But the Vols, like some of their younger players in the secondary, did their own mining in the portal, brought in Oregon State corner Jamad McCoy. So going to be a whole new new look defensive backfield there for Josh Heupel at Tennessee next year. How quickly can they adjust? Coming in at number 23, they got the Kentucky Wildcats. Schleba asks, can Brock Vandergriff adjust to a new system? Stetson Bennett and Carson Beck blocked Vandergriff from getting on the field at Georgia. But Vandergriff was one of the most highly regarded dual threat prospects in the country. Lincoln Riley handpicked him to, to run his offense at Oklahoma before he flipped from OU to Georgia. Well, the clean canvas at Kentucky, as Schleybaugh writes. Mark Stoops hoping he can get this offense going with Bush Hampton coming in. And his running ability should help that Kentucky offensive line. So we'll see what uh, Brock Vandergriff looks like. And then lastly, at Texas A&M, they got them at number 25 in here. And the question that Wilson asked, Dave Wilson asks, what does everything look like under Mike Elko? Talent was not a problem under Jimbo. Stubborn lack of offensive evolution was. And Mike Elko has plugged a lot of holes in the transfer portal, particularly at wide receiver and DB. But the biggest question will be that offense. How does the new coordinator, Colin Klein, uh, run this offense effectively with quarterback Connor Wegman, who was one of the Aggies' best prospect quarterbacks prospects in years? So, uh, again, a lot of new changes there at A&M. And Mike Elko, um, a lot of eyes on him to see how he adjusts and gets this thing going in year one. All right, still more to come on Locked on SEC. Uh, of course, the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide. No longer back. Was it his decision? We'll talk about that coming up here in just a second. More locked on SEC. First, this episode presented to you by friends over at FanDuel. You can get your buckets on with your first bet on FanDuel. They are America's number one sports book. And right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. We've been telling you about this deal. It's 150 bucks if your bet wins. You just want to go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's where you go. If you've never signed up before, go sign up there. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get signed up. Take advantage of that great deal. Make your first $5 bet. And if you win it, you're going to get that $150 in bonus bets if your first bet wins. And you got plenty of action to bet on with the NBA coming out of the All-Star break. Plenty of games every night in the NBA. So go shoot your shot. Check them out. They are FanDuel. They are the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. All right, roll along here, Locked On SEC. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. And uh, 
And we normally start the show going around the conference, but we had so much to get to today. Let's do it in reverse, backwards. We're going to go around the conference now. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. And we head out to Alabama next as Alabama radio play-by-play voice Eli Gold is not going to return for the 2024 season. The program announced that on Wednesday afternoon. Eli Gold has been the radio voice of the Crimson Tide for the past 36 seasons. He's called seven national championships, 11 SEC title games, 35 total bowl games during his his time as the voice of the Tide. Chris Stewart will step in to replace Eli Gold in the radio booth. Stewart will also serve as the host of Hey Coach on the Crimson Tide Sports Network, the uh, Coach's Show. Uh, Chris Stewart's been around for a long time, been with the network uh, since 1998. Uh, Vice President and GM of the Crimson Tide Sports Network, Jim Carabin, said a statement, Eli's been an invaluable member of our broadcast team. We're grateful for his years of service. I wish him all the best in this next chapter. We're excited to have a guy like Chris ready to step in and seamlessly transition into this role. Uh, based on the statement, it sounds like Eli Gold could pursue other broadcasting jobs rather than retire. We know he had the health issues and battled all that the last couple years, but he's 70 years old, still seems to be in good spirits, you know, wants to keep doing this perhaps. He has called games for other leagues throughout his career. I think he called uh, the Arena League at one point. But uh, Chris Stewart expected to make his full-time debut as Alabama's radio play-by-play voice on Alabama's spring game April 13th. Eli Gold, uh, later in the day, making a statement, um, speaking with AL.com's Michael Casagrande, and said that he had expected to call the 8A spring game. But he said the network instead opted for a, quote, a clean break. Gold said his health is not keeping him from broadcasting, and he does plan to announce his next move in the coming days. He said, well, the university chose not to bring me back. This is not, and with a capital N-O-T, not at all health-related. I'm very healthy. Everything is wonderful. I'm healthy as a horse. Uh, Gold did miss the 2022 season due to an orthopedic issue. Last year, he went through cancer treatments before returning to call home games. Uh, They did a whole feature on him on ESPN Game Day, but he's been the voice of the tide since 1988, and... Won the Alabama Sportscaster of the Year Award four times. It's an awkward situation there in Birmingham. I wonder if they were like, well, Nick Saban's leaving. Let's just get a reset in the booth. But Eli Gold, considered a legend by a lot of Alabama fans. and Some folks looking at it a little awkwardly, saying maybe they're doing him a little dirty. Uh, by the way, we've had Chris Stewart on the show before in the past, and very nice guy, and congrats to him. Don't want to take away from him getting a fantastic opportunity. He's done bas- uh, Alabama basketball for many years, but um, – Tough situation there in Tuscaloosa. All right, at Georgia, uh, Georgia State's looking for a head coach, and they're looking over at some of Georgia's assistants, Seth Emerson and Bruce Feldman of The Athletic, reporting yesterday that Georgia Tech offense coordinator Buster Faulkner and Georgia running backs coach Del McGee, strong candidates to land that head coaching job at Georgia State. Faulkner was on Kirby's staff before landing an on-field opportunity at Georgia Tech, and then... Uh, uh, McGee is 50 years old. He's been on staff at Georgia for all eight seasons of Kirby's tenure there. Uh, Football Scoop also mentions Brian McClendon as a potential candidate. He's the former Georgia wide receivers coach who just left for an opportunity with the Tampa Bay Bucks, but apparently has not signed his contract yet with them. So we'll see what happens. Sean Elliott, of course, Georgia State head coach, just resigned last week to 
Go be the tight ends coach at South Carolina. Crazy times, guys, leaving head coaching jobs to go be assistants in the SEC, although the money is very similar. Over at Texas A&M, uh, Johnny Manziel, of course, uh, former Heisman winner with Texas A&M, and he was making the rounds on a couple uh, podcasts this week, particularly the Shannon Sharp podcast, and uh, Manziel talked about his time at uh, A&M, and he said, I'm leaving to go to the draft. I'll paint a picture for you. It's spring of 2014, December 2013, right around there. I'm getting ready to make this decision on if I'm going to the draft or if I'm going to go back to A&M. And I found this out five years later from my dad. He said his dad went to then head coach Kevin Sumlin and asked him to pay $3 million to spend two more years with the Aggies. Uh, Kevin Sumlin reportedly laughed at the idea. Enzel saying, my dad had a meeting with Kevin Sumlin, pretty much went to him man-to-man, said, we'll take $3 million to stay for the next two years. And my dad said this is a true story. Uh, he said Kevin Sumlin laughed. He did the same thing when Cliff Kingsbury came to him and said he wanted to be the highest-paid offense coordinator the year before, and Cliff would have stayed another year with me and we would have run it back. Shannon Sharp said, you do realize this is prior to NIL, so this would have been a backroom deal. Manziel said, man, this has gone on for 30, 40 years before that. Same things have happened when you were recruited back in the day. There was a bag man. There's a bag man at LSU, a bag man at Alabama. There was a bag man at every school around the country if you were competing for a national title. It's just what it was. So Johnny Manziel maybe uh, getting some folks in the NCAA office riled up. Maybe they need more investigations. We got to go pin more people. Playing players? What? How despicable. What a terrible thing. Yeah, it's legal now. But back in the day, it was absolutely frowned upon. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers. Come on back tomorrow on the show. And, hey, for your second listen, go check out Locked On Sports Today. Here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day. Just search on YouTube, Locked On Sports Today. I've lost my voice, so that's going to do it for Locked On SEC. Talk to you guys tomorrow.